Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing Podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your illustrious, genuine, friendly co-host, Gianna Whitford. And here is my fabulous, amazing, wonderful co-host, Maria. And I was going to say, you better have some adjectives before my name there. <laughs> so we are so excited <laughs> to have um, a very special guest today, someone from not the marketing side of the house, but from the security side of the house. We have Samara Williams. She is the Senior Manager of Security Engineering at New Relic, and she is here to tell us all sorts of secrets and opinions and magical phrases that will delight us and have us learning all sorts of things about what cybersecurity folks actually care about in marketing. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. I don't know about secrets, but there's going to be a lot of opinions. (laughs) (laughs) We love it. Many opinions. Yeah. We, we love bringing opinions. That's what brings sort of that, you know, the, the, the spice sprinkle to these conversations. But Samara, before we jump in, mm-hmm. uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you, your journey as a security practitioner. Where do you actually, what's your expertise, sort of your specialty? Uh, because I think that's going to add a lot of color to a lot of the stories you'll tell us um, with, you know, uh, relationships and experiences with security vendors. Absolutely. Okay. I have, uh, I feel like a relatively traditional route into security because I came in through like IT and quality assurance and all those things. But security and leadership in particular has always been the goal. Genuinely, I've always kind of wanted to be a manager. I've always wanted to lead people. I've never had like a serious urge to be highly technical or anything like that. Um, I just like, I like people. So when I say I like vendors, vendors are people, right? They're people too. So I really mean it when I say those things. Um, So where did I start? I started in this really cool rotational program in Columbus. Now I talk about this like every time I'm on a podcast, so I'm going to give like the super speedy version of it. But essentially I rotated through like seven different companies in their security programs, right? And I learned a ton of different stuff and like so I got access to and exposure to so many different cybersecurity programs and like tools company industries and how they all treated security differently so it kind of matured me really quickly and seeing different perspectives and how information security was important to companies um so I started in actually threat intelligence which is where I met Chris Cochran, right? Woo-hoo! He was one of my first mentors in threat intelligence. And I did that for a long time, a good five years or so. Um, and I learned a lot from it. And I eventually made my way to Cardinal Health, 
which is not where I am now, but it's where I came from recently. Um, and I sort of built that threat intelligence program and eventually inherited vulnerability management. Um, and, and then I, you know, it was time to kind of make a move and I ended up making a move to New Relic and now I'm in product security. In terms of where I specialize, I would have, I would have in the past said threat intelligence and vulnerability management. And now I honestly think it's like security risk reduction, which is huge. It's a broad spectrum, but that's, that's kind of where I want to live. Um, and in between the practitioner and vendor space, I'm not a sales person, even though I work for a vendor, still very much a practitioner, but in a completely different, like it's a different mindset that you're in because you're supporting a solution for other practitioners. So I kind of like how I sort of cascade that, if that makes sense. I actually like that because that's kind of the the same use case for Gianna and I, because uh, like particularly for either this podcast or the the, the cybersecurity marketing society, the community we created. Um, it's because we're also marketing practitioners, and what we created is for marketers. There is just this natural, uh, not just passion, but we know what we need to talk about. We know the topics that we need to cover because it's, it's something that we live through every day as marketers ourselves. So that's actually right. really cool. Before we get into uh, more on this very interesting thing that you said earlier, Samara, which was, I like vendors, a very interesting and controversial mm -hmm. phrase that also warms me and Maria's hearts very greatly. Um, in terms of you know your role at New Relic, and you just said that you like risk reduction. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I feel like even back when I talked about the rotational program, the things that interest me, and it wasn't necessarily red teaming, it wasn't like identity access management, but like the DLPs, the blue team, the threat intelligence, understanding threats and how it can affect organizations. It, it was about certain actions, uh, malware or threats, you know, or in, insider threats, anything that could potentially pose a risk to an organization. And I wanted to reduce those. <laughs> right? So, um, and, and now I'm working in product security where I'm managing vulnerabilities for a particular product and trying to drive them to remediation, resolution, mitigation, to reduce risk to that product, to the organization, to their brand. So that's kind of what it means to me is essentially looking at what uh, what poses a risk to whatever I'm supporting and keeping that from happening, trying to prevent it to the best of my ability. Yeah. Can you give us an example of like maybe a day in your life? Like if you were reducing risk for any company that you work for, not necessarily the one you're at now, but mm -hmm. if that was part of what you did, what would you do on a daily basis? Well, the best part about it is that it would change all the time because <laughs> I don't the same thing every single day. Part of operations is seeing whatever vulnerabilities we're getting from reports and the internally, externally, and essentially um, assessing the risk that they pose to the to the product. That's part of regular operations. We do that every single day. And so each day, I would essentially be working towards uh, progress in a pro in a project or an initiative, as well as regular operations. So again, it changes every single day. And that's probably the best thing about it. 
I'm starting to see, uh, you know, a, a very obvious uh, sort of connection of why you are now in product security um, and your unconventional love for salespeople on the vendor side. Because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think what you do is critical to your product actually being sold. A lot of customers are going to ask for a lot of those certifications and SOC 2 and whatever else, whatever mm-hmm, other compliance mm-hmm. that comes at the table at that deal cycle um, during that sales cycle, where it's like either it's it's the life or death of the the revenue right there. Um, and so I think uh, sales teams should love you back <laughs> very much so as much as you love them, especially at your current company, uh, because a lot of the work you do in the background means either you know revenue or no revenue. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, in the beginning, I always felt like I needed some sort of purpose, right, tied to the work that I was doing, which uh, was easy when it came to working in healthcare, right? The purpose was there. I was affecting patients directly or indirectly, whatever way. And then now that I've sort of shifted to the vendor side of the house, the the mindset is different. But as I said before, now I'm trying to harden or secure a product that other practitioners are going to use people in healthcare or otherwise. So I almost see it as something much bigger than just what I could do. And, and, and maybe I'm justifying it <laughs> some way or another, but <laughs> it's, uh, I, I found that purpose and I'm enjoying it thus far. Well, yeah. Hey, I mean, they could be using your product on behalf or through or for or with a hospital mm-hmm. or 20 right. hospitals or 50 hospitals. So I see, mm-hmm. I totally see what you mean there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And from a marketer's perspective, you're the dream unicorn. You're that subject matter expert that we could use on a lot of marketing activities. You're, you know, you're able to go out there and speak to a particular topic and be a thought leader. Um, and that that's really awesome to see. So let's switch over now to that juicy meaty phrase. So you said <laughs> earlier, Samara, and I'll let you take a drink of water because I know this will be very intensive a conversation. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm rolling up my sleeves as well. <laughs> you said I like vendors, and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. let that phrase hang out into the room of the air or the the air of the room here. I like vendors. First off, why? Actually, that's it. Why? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you know. Um, no one's ever asked me that. And I, that's why I was excited to be on this podcast. Cause you're pushing me to think about the things that I say. Um, and I think partly I've been blessed to have really awesome vendors that I've worked with in the past. Um, have I encountered some not so great ones? Sure. Right. Or it's, maybe it's not the entire company, but it's an individual person and, and whatever. But on the other hand, I also feel like I, I try to give people the opportunity to show me who they are as a vendor, uh, as opposed to writing them off for one reason or the other, showing a particular bias towards one or the other, if that makes sense. So I think um, when I say I like vendors, it's because I've encountered some really incredible ones. And when I don't, I get I give those people feedback. And sometimes they Sometimes they do it and sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes they take it and they apply it and other times they, they, they could care less. So, Man, that's valuable feedback security vendors pay for. Money yeah. on a regular basis. <laughs> Seriously. Wait, because- should I be giving this for free? 
<laughs> no, do not give it to anyone for free. <laughs> That's so funny. When you're saying you're giving feedback, is that generally like replying to emails or posting on social or just if someone calls you, you answer and tell them, hey, like what you're saying is is could really be improved. Like, how do you give feedback? Yeah. So, um, I, I'm anybody who knows me knows that I'm pretty forthcoming about how I feel about certain things and I do it relatively quickly because <laughs> I know how I'm feeling about a certain thing. So, uh, for example, there was a vendor who like called my cell phone and I'm, yeah, I don't usually answer phone calls. They must've caught me on a generous day. Uh, answer my phone. Hey, this is so-and-so for whatever. And I'm like, yo, not crazy about you calling my cell phone. I don't want it to happen. And dude then found me on LinkedIn, reached out to me on LinkedIn. And I was appreciative. I was like, okay, he heard my feedback. He's reaching out to me on LinkedIn now instead. It's the small things, right? So if I planned on doing business with them, I don't think I did. But if I would have, I, I already had some inherent trust that what I was, what I was going to say he was going to hear, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel on social and in emails that you are quote unquote, like inundated? How do you like in terms of how many vendors are reaching out to you every day? Is there could you quantify it a little or ballpark it for us to give us sort of a view into what it's like to live your life to get try to be contacted this amount of times? Yeah, uh, there was something I said on the on the the Hacker Valley um, the, the oh, technically divided yes. uh, round table that we did where I said, I reply to everyone who hits me up and it it's, it is, it's true. Whether it's one of those like instant messages that they give you for like a like an automated response, or I will legitimately reach out to people and just say like, no, thanks, thanks or whatever. So I do actually have an idea of what, you know, <laughs> how many messages or anything. Um, obviously when I was with Cardinal, I got a lot more. I think once I shifted to a vendor, I, it, my needs became a little less applicable to, to other vendors. But um, when I was at Cardinal, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So let's say, let's ballpark it and say each week I could have been talking to anywhere from 10 to 25 salespeople, maybe Ooh. a week. Understanding that these aren't new people every single week, right? But I, I don't, I don't have any SLA that I'm tied to in terms of responding to them. <laughs> so um, that's that's probably my best guess. A little closer to ten. Is normally it, is closer to the twenty-five. When but, you say talking to them, is that replying and saying like, "Hey, replying. don't contact me again"? Or okay, it's not like having a conversation. Yeah. Like, all right, no. hi. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, no, not at all. It's important that they understand that practitioners, I mean, I have, I have meetings, I'm in meetings all the time, right? Um, and I can't just give you all the time that I have. So when you do have my time, like use it wisely, right? And even in the LinkedIn messages, when people give details and they don't try to lure you into a phone call, I just appreciate that a lot more because it saves us both time when I can say, no, this doesn't apply to me. And I didn't have to tell you in 15 minutes. I just told you right now in 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> That's how awesome yeah. that was. Yeah. yeah. Or those vague questions of, what are you working on these days? And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I don't, why, why do you, what, are you going to yeah. open my shop? 
I do my best not to be petty in those situations and just be like a lot that <laughs> I'm working on a lot. Thanks. <laughs> so on that note, uh, you know, of sort of the outrage from sales, uh, could you think of maybe one or two examples uh, of messaging that either the marketers or the salespeople could do better uh, from a security yeah. vendor? Yes. Um, I'm going to repeat a lot of what I said and that technically divided because it's just, it just holds true and I genuinely believe it. But um, when I can tell someone's done their research on me and how to approach me, I, I'm much more likely to reach out. So um, something I've always said is I like to have a, a good time, right? I like to have fun. I want to, I want to find joy in everything that I do. And if anybody listens to a podcast or anybody looks at, you know, the TEDx or whatever, all these things I have on my profile, right? If you just look at the profile, my TEDx is five minutes. So when people reach out to me and they say, loved your TEDx and they give examples of why they loved it, or they talk about a joke that they heard me say, or they talk about an opinion that I had that they agreed with, like, give me a reason, a real reason why you're reaching out to me, not just because of my job title, but because like, make me feel like you want to hear from me and not just what's, you know, my pockets, even though it's not my pockets, my company pockets, but same old same. <laughs> and don't yeah. just say, I love what you're doing too, by the mm -hmm. way. So I'm seeing so many parallels between us in the marketing team and like Samara, what you're doing in the security team, just like in terms of how we're engaged with, with vendors. It's like, yeah a lot of stuff coming at us and not super well researched or it's vague. So saying, I love what you're doing at company X is not research because all you did was plug in the name company X after saying, I love what you're doing. Why don't you be specific? Mm -hmm. You know, it's simple. Like what, like you just said, one little look on LinkedIn, five minutes of your time and you could make something super personalized. You don't have to watch the whole yeah. hour long podcast. You can just watch like part of it and pull something decent out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Grab something from the middle, whatever. Right. You could say you liked my shirt that day, but you know, just <laughs> something, something to tie, tie us together. And I think that's uh, maybe something that I realized early on, even in that rotational program is like, what tend to set me apart was my ability to relate to people quickly, right? Um, I also made a comment in the Technically Divided about being a good salesperson in the future if I ever wanted to be one. But that's because I would find that thing, right? And I would be busy as hell talking to too many people, I'm sure. And I don't want to minimize how many people sales folks have to engage, right? So everything I'm saying, right? Oh, it must be nice if I had all the time in the world. But, you know, quality over quantity. It's kind of how I see it. So. And you would absolutely kill it as a sales engineer, <laughs> sales engineer or uh, a security consultant on, you know, strategic accounts from a sales perspective. You would be killer uh, on, in that role. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to think so. For sure. <laughs> so. Come so to us. To <laughs> Join us. Join us. <laughs> <laughs> but on the on the sales engineer uh, topic, I think that those are very very critical people in that experience, right? Um, in that sales side, like pre sales, I guess. Um, and sometimes it's either the the make or break the deal too, depending on 
you know, their expertise and their knowledge and how much they can relate to the potential customer. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've had experiences on, on a lot of pre-sale um, calls or, you know, outreach or communication where you thought, okay, well, this company knows what it's doing because they brought on this, a person like this. Yeah. And I, um, the ones that I appreciate are the ones that are honest. So I tend to be uh, as prepared as I possibly can be before getting a demo or talking through strategy with a, you know, a sales engineer. And I talk about my needs. I talk about the use cases Um, and the people that can tell me, yes, we do this really well. This part, not that great, but these are the things that are on the roadmap. And they actually show me a roadmap. Uh, <laughs> and these are things that we just don't do, right? That honesty and that transparency allows me to see like six months in the future. Okay, well, they don't do this now. They say it's on their roadmap. Is there another tool in my toolkit that I could use, right, to meet this need as opposed to this vendor or whatever, like, and, but when, when you tell me you have all the things that I need, right. And then I get into a POC and I'm like, nope, it doesn't leave a great taste in your mouth. Yeah. It really doesn't. And no right. one wants to be forced into a relationship. So. Yeah. That's a, you know, an over promise and, and an under deliver. Right. Um, and that's, you know, you really beyond just pissing off the people that you're trying to sell to at that point in time, it's a reputation damager mm-hmm. for anyone that they talk to who's potentially yep. interested in your product because, oh, we already POC'd with them and they sold us a dream that they could not back up, which yeah. is sad. And um, sales engineers tend to change jobs just like practitioners do, right? And your reputation is carried from one vendor yeah. to the next. Yeah. And the reputation should be utmost important. Absolutely. On the, on the flip side of the house on, or, or to kind of back up what you were just saying, you mentioned on technically divided, which we will also link to in the show notes. So anyone listening, this will be linked in the show notes. Look at the notes. You can click on the link and go listen to Samara talk with Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings on their show, technically divided. But you mentioned on that episode, a term sales, arrogance, which was such a cool term and kind of the opposite of I love vendors. So tell us, what is your definition of sales arrogance? Yeah. So I I believe I said that phrase when they were referring to how there's more education and how you go about selling tools, you know, whatever. Um, And I kind of compared it to like current security practitioners that have a certain sense of arrogance just because they went to school for security or because they were in the military and did security or because for whatever reason, right, their background was in security and they might look at somebody with a background in psychology and be like, mm, I don't know, right? It's that elitism that's in our industry and in a lot of different industries, but I, I think it's pretty prevalent in ours. Um, and I was saying that I wonder, I, I, I predict even that with more people coming up through a traditional sales route, the folks that don't, are going to be looked down upon a little bit. I think there might be some sales arrogance. The other, the other aspect of that that I cannot stand, and I think that so many salespeople could learn from, is that when you make a company feel like they're a part of the product's journey, 
it makes a whole it, it's it's a whole nother like value add to them right if you because so many so many salespeople act like their tool is going to change the world yeah. okay and whether it can or it can't most of the times it can't because it's such a small piece of the puzzle they make practitioners feel like they they're not a part of that they're not privy to to what's happening within that tool to, to the secret sauce if you actually open up a little bit and bring the practitioner along for the ride and make them feel as though you can't do it without them i bet you'll get more business that way yeah there's a term for that right that's the early adopters those are the ones that take a risk with new technology they're not afraid mm-hmm. to provide a lot of feedback as part of the roadmap do you think a lot of security practitioners are secretly all early adopters and kind of like geek out on being part of the early journey for a lot of security tools? Or do you think it's kind of like an email? You know, I, I like, I, I guess I could, I could say yes. And maybe this is an assumption that most maybe technical individuals in the security or like industry would like to be early adopters. I think everyone has an opinion or a perspective that is valuable in security because literally anyone could do security and as the diversity improves in security, then the perspective is going to be even better. Um, but not only the, the people with new technologies, but even the the current like competitors and we have these large competitors who are gobbling up smaller competitors. What are you doing with their customers? right? Despite like, you're obviously raising the price on them, but how can you like bring them a part of the ride? Because they had valuable feedback on this tool that you just acquired. So no matter like what maturity level a vendor is at, I think you can still make customers feel like they're a part of your journey, right? Because you're really only trying to go up. No one wants to be static. Wow. I think we just found like the best quote from the entire episode right here, Samara. That was really good. A lot, a lot of security vendors should really take that advice to heart. Because I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> last, I think the last one here that we kind of want to touch on before we get into our game, which yeah. is going to be fun. Oh my game? We're doing a game. But okay. first, <laughs> before the game. Um, you know, we talked on the scoping call about the process of buying products. And while we don't want to hear about what your exactly what your process is right now, because um, we don't want you to be, um, you know, reached out to in regards to this, you did mention a lot about you did you did talk about like VARs and the role mm-hmm. of VARs in the security buying process. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you in previous roles have worked with VARs and where VARs fit in? in your buying yeah. process? Well, I'll just talk about it from my perspective and, and my experience um, at, at Cardinal previously. And I won't mention who the VAR was or who the people are. They know who they are. They're legitimately my friends. We became friends. We go to lunch and all that stuff. And they even stopped selling to me. They just started getting my opinion on things. And then I would ask them for things. Anyway, okay, I'm getting <laughs> away from... But you, know, there you, you can go. see what the outcome was. You can see what the outcome was, right? <laughs> um, but... Vars, right? So I feel like Vars are, I mean, Vars are the middleman, right? And, or, or woman, they're the middle person. And I, I, gen, I genuinely see them as an extension of your team. If, if you are not explaining to your VAR the ins and outs of your program, 
your your hopes and dreams for the program, where your program is falling short. These people, they some of them are legitimate experts. They have some inc- like technical gods as part of their lineup. And the closer you get to these VARs, they almost control who potentially works on different consulting opportunities, right? They use their connections to get you the right people at the table as well. So that relationship was so important because I essentially met with them on a regular basis. Um, We would talk about things that I had in flight, my pain points. They would share with me different tools that they're seeing down the pipeline, what the what the rumor mill had, you know, and <laughs> you get you get some of that secret sauce in there once what, you build that trust. What what's the rumor mill when we're talking about bars? Mill, yeah, so and I don't want to get these people in trouble, but I haven't talked about them. So, um, it, it was essentially like you get so the vars work with other companies too. So when you talk about a tool, they get the raw feedback. They're that middle person, right? So if they're working with a particular tool, you know, giants or small, um, they're getting the customer's feedback. And then I'm getting said customer's feedback on said tool because I have the same need. And they're like, you know, this customer did end up going here, but I I almost wonder if this tool would have been better because of X, Y, and Z. Now I've already kind of have a lineup for my POC that I can, now I have this background knowledge and insight that I can take forward to make the best decision possible. So I, I think of them as, as uh, from a threat intelligence day, as like a data source, right? They're an intelligence resource. They are giving you valuable feedback on tools and partnerships and things that they already have existing. So um, yeah, I use them like they were part of the team. Love that. Yeah. Amazing. That's, that's such great. That's so great to hear for all of us who are working on partner and ecosystem this year. It's been a big trend. It's been a big talking point in 2022. And even prior to Mm -hmm. that, um, how to do more channel driven, go to market. Right. And it's true. If you can do the channel effectively and you have a product that proves itself, uh, and you have a great strong partnership with value added resellers and channel partners of all stripes, you know, they are the trusted person. They already have a relationship with a company yep. who's looking to buy a product and they could be the, uh, the meet cute or the recruiter or the matchmaker between the two. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Not to mention procurement and legal and all of that time gets cut in half <laughs> because it's already established. Mm-hmm. I, right. I was blessed with a solid bar that was able to take bias out of things as well in their own sort of relationships. So that, that helped too, when you talk about the technology mm. in and of itself. Quick question. How do you know, or how did you vet for removal of bias when you were looking at VARs? So I remove as much bias, bias as I can. I didn't get the opportunity to choose my VAR, yeah. but because I was transparent and forthcoming about what I was objective about, there was there was no way they were going to be able to give me something and me evaluate different tools without them showing like, oh, they, they might have wanted to push me in this direction. There was no pushing me in any sort of direction. It was getting me in front of the right vendors based on my needs. So that's kind of how I knew. And I did my own research and stuff, right? I didn't solely rely on the bar. But 
Nice. Amazing. All right. So I think it is time for our game. So this is a game. The game. So this is a game where we guess what you would be doing if you weren't at your job. Like if you could not, if like, if you could not be in security, like you were just like, all right, fresh start. And then did you have any other other jobs before being in security that we should know about any career stuff? Yeah, I, so I was a server, naturally. I think everyone should work in the service industry at least yes. two once or twice in their life. Um, and I was also a personal trainer. Okay. So I did have a little bit of sales in my background life. So I, I don't know if that's, you know, out of the question there. But I was selling myself and that was a little easier because I knew myself and believed in myself already. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Okay, so we cannot guess that if you had to start over again and could pick any job that you would do any of these things. So it's not like restaurant service industry business and it's not personal training, gym stuff, fitness. And it's not, (laughs) you're like, I'm done with that. (laughs) Um, And it can't be security. So who wants to go first? Maria, you can go first. I'll go first. Okay. Um. I, I see you have this innate ability to teach and win people's hearts with what you're teaching and the message you're trying to relate. So, and you're already, you know, a, a professional public speaker, so that's already established. But I feel like those two together tell me that you could possibly be, you know, a professor at a university, you know, either teaching security or or at, or you create your own university where you teach security vendors how to better sell to security practitioners. <laughs> Maria, you took you took my second guess. So actually, my first guess is going to be better. Okay. okay. So all right, let's right. So, <laughs> I like the competition. That's, that's okay. Good. Yeah, and then we track who's winning and like who wins. And at the end of the year, there'll okay. be I don't know like a prize or something. So, <laughs> Samara, I think you would be president. And um, that's not <laughs> from the United States. Uh, I mean, the United States or a politician. I'm good. Okay. Oh, so no, I lost funny. like immediately. No, it's actually funny. So, uh, so I will say, Maria, you're a little closer. Okay. Because when I think about retiring from corporate, I, I, I think about I would love to retire from the corporate lifestyle, even vendors and everything. When I'm like 55. And I'm like, but I can't not work. I don't see that for myself. So I thought teaching was a natural sort of progression. Um, so I've been thinking about how to get experience doing more teaching and stuff like that. So yes. I don't know if you win because I, well, and it's probably my wife's fault, Gianna, that you aren't going to win this because <laughs> I, I was like, what if I became mayor of a small town? <laughs> I knew it. I could see it. Anybody, anybody that knows me knows I just have these random thoughts that pop into my head and they just kind of stay there and they'll they'll like creep forward sometimes and then they go right back. But yeah, a politician has come come into my brain once or twice. Uh, It would have to be for like a really small, eclectic, you know, um, open and progressive town. So there's like how many of those? But um, yeah. (laughs) I, there's not, there's not, there's not so yeah yep so who wins then 
Yeah, I think Maria wins. I don't think <laughs> I'm going to be Maria. I don't think. I think. I think it's cool. Like, yeah, maybe my own little, you know, cult, but I, I won't be. Like, yeah. Cult. We you, would, you would do well as a politician, actually. You could, yeah. you, you know, you could convince a lot of people to vote for you. I probably, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I see the leadership and the and but also the working with people and the like loving managing exactly. a team like that's what I think makes you great as like a leader and then it's like okay well what sort of leader we can't say security leader so I picked the next right <laughs> yeah you said president I'm like whoa okay yeah. president well, like, yeah after after both yeah. of your faces came up I was like well politician okay like all right all right all right um I mean you wouldn't yeah. be in charge of national security as the president oh so, so it's disqualified actually yes right okay. all right it's okay yeah so you lose and you're disqualified yeah. <laughs> way, way to start the year off on nice <laughs> I lose and I'm like kicked off of the podcast. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot it's of love here. A lot of love. <laughs> we have a good no, time. I appreciate it though. Those are great guesses and I love that you guys guessed those. Um, and now you've got Mayor back to the front of my brain. I'm thinking about that. So I'll go research some some towns that I want to. Um, then I got to live. Then I have to live there. I don't want to move. I don't know. I don't think it's going to work out. Samar for mayor. Oh my God. Oh my God. We're marketers. We can make it happen. All right. Well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> thank you so much for the job offer and for being on our podcast today. We've had a lot of fun. Samara, I know you don't really want to be contacted, uh, but what are some other places that people can find you if maybe they want to listen to some of your awesome public speaking? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, my name is pretty is relatively unique in security. So if you just YouTube Samara Williams cybersecurity, stuff's going to pop up. But um, it's not that I don't want people to reach out to me. It's just not for particular reasons. And I'll let them know when they do it. But LinkedIn, Twitter, I'm now on Mastodon, even though I, I haven't been able to really get into that just yet. Um, but yeah, I'm super active on all of those. And I promise to get back to you. Thank you again yeah. for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. As usual, we have a new episode dropping every Wednesday. Uh, don't forget to subscribe so you can get the alerts for all new episodes. And Samara, yeah, thanks for joining us today and see you all next time. Thanks.